is adorable. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get this rolling. Um, I almost want to say, Happy New Year! The cycle begins anew. I mean, you can't. Well, you can. I mean, it's the first one of the year. Well, I did. So. Oh. oh, you did. So okay. this is Saz. And the little birdie he's got in his hand sits in his afro. <laughs> the whole game. Proof that none of the game designers were black. <laughs> it's Square Enix. Do you expect anything less? I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, they're Japanese. About them to, probably. So, yeah, probably a sum total of zero black people in, in the game studio. Uh, but oh. you never know. Uh, who knows? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Let's get it started. What's everyone reading? Uh, Which direction are we going? Did, yeah, pick a direction. Let's see. I'll start. <laughs> I am reading. Hold on. I, Wait. I'm, this is a new year. Who are you? What? Oh, yeah. I'm Andy. Um, you're AKA, you're, you're AKA your fearless. Dungeon Graham. father. Dungeon daddy. No, oh, God. Daddy of the dungeon. Right, if you prefer. And I'll pass it to Grant, is AKA Lord Ish. And then we have Aaron, our supreme yeah. overlord. Say hi, Aaron. That's her um, velociraptor. <laughs> and then Tony, a.k.a. the mouth from the south. Hello. <laughs> what are you reading? Tony's rolling their eyes and going, why do I want to these humans? Oh, someone's reading a book um, that I recommended. I'm reading, oh. I had to, I, because I couldn't remember the author's name, I'm reading right now Karma of the Sun oh, by, I really need to look up how to say their name appropriately. I can obviously say Brandon. But Brandon <laughs> Ying Kit Boy. I don't know. I'd have butchering to, it. If I'd I'll tag you in it, and you can shame me, Brandon. Um, I I'm open to being shamed. Ring a bell. It. Oh. This is a mid-apocalyptic story in which the world is kind of ending. There have been six mm. solar like they call them in the story. They call them the suns. And there have been six of them. And when the seventh sun arrives, humanity's gone. Mm. In fact, the only remaining remnants of civilization live on the Tibetan plateau. Because it's, you know, up in the Himalayas, it's high enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And the protagonist, Karma, his father, ten years prior to the beginning of the book, has gone missing. And, of course, there's been some stigma attached to his father's departure. There's been shame, like... What's wrong with him? Where did he go? He abandoned his, you know, this this child and this wife, and the emperor of this remaining, you know, land comes to them and say, "Okay, hint, it's, it's it's not exactly what you think. We think he he was on a mission for us, and we think he found something. We just can't get to him right now. We need to get your father so he can help us survive the oncoming calamity." Right. Um, and that's what I'm reading, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, what, what's the name of that like hidden, that mythical hidden land in like uh, 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 Tibet, or like is it um, is it Siddhartha, or is it like Agartha, something like? What's well, the name of? That's the name of. Siddhartha. Buddha. Yeah, that's Buddha. Oh, never mind. I'm trying to see. That. I mean, I think it's like Kathmandu or something. Something like that. Shangri-La. I don't know. But but, but like Shangri La, yeah. Yeah. Shangri-La. But the fact Shangri-La. that like the last habitable place on earth was in the Tibetan. So that was kind of what brought it, it up. It's pretty neat. I'm I'm really enjoying it. It it has tonally it reminds me a little bit of a, the Alchemist. 
if anyone has read that book oh, before. Oh, the Paulo Coelho book. Thank you. I can never mm. say the name correctly. I've heard um, very mixed things on that. That one? Yeah. <laughs> it's. It, it seems to be a thing that it, it seems to be a thing that if you read it at a certain age, it's really good and can change your life. And then if you read it past what is that, a bit like Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. The Alchemist. <laughs> no, that's just always bad. Catcher in the Rye is always bad. The never Alchemist. Read that I read it a couple of years oh. ago, and it was very. This is a, a more developed, mature story than the Alchemist. I remember, but mm. there's a certain journey aspect. Like I, once I get to the end, I'll give a, a, another comparison. But I really kind of enjoyed this weird, whimsical story that was in The Alchemist that's here, too. Mm, sure. Um, yeah. But who's next? Interesting. Uh, Pick a direction. Yeah. <laughs> that away. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Tony, go. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm reading a few things. I'm reading in the world of nonfiction. I'm reading a book called 13 Ways of Looking at the Novel by Jane Smiley. There's a book I read like 14 years ago or something like that, and I realize now that I'm rereading it again for the first time that it must have been the thing that sparked my interest in um, literary criticism. Even though it's not, I wouldn't call it, well, it is, I guess it is a work of literary criticism. It's just more readable than most works of literary criticism because it's written by a novelist and not by a professor. <laughs> um, but basically, she'd sort of, is going in and talking because she, she wrote or not wrote she read a hundred a hundred novels in a like I think it was in a year um, because she got stuck right after 9-11 happened in the middle of a novel and she was like what is the use what is the point whatever 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 and because she's not entirely a nihilist she was like all right I have to find a reason for why I'm feeling this way so she put down the pen and read a hundred novels and then wrote this book fair <laughs> um, yeah it's pretty and it's interesting because she engages with like the chapter one which I read this morning is called mm -hmm. what is a novel <laughs> and she just literally breaks it down and is like all right here's what you need in order to write an, like in order to call something a novel mm -hmm. and just that's it and um it's nice because it it just it reads really well and it it's a nice toolkit I think for any writer who's finds the effort of writing a novel to be too big. She just sort of without trying to give you tools, she just says, "Well, this is what a novel is." Period. And you're like, "Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. That's manageable." Um, the other things that I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm listening to Toni Morrison read me the Bluest Eye, which is. Because I've been thinking about it a lot lately, so I thought, I'm going to read that again. And it's much easier having someone read you that book, because it's not all in your head. And it's much funnier having read it the first time. Like, the first time, it was, you know, it's a searing work of importance, blah, 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 which it, it is. But this time around, knowing everything, it's a scream. Like, it's so funny. Who narrates? Narrates it? Toni Morrison. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, and she's really, she's fantastic. Good. She's so good. I mean, just I knew she was good already because she's read Beloved to me. But like, oh. to you personally, right? No, not to me personally, but in the no, I'm just imagining just like the... you, you fall asleep and <laughs> she pulls up next to your your nightstand and says, "Tony, close your eyes. I've got this." Be really scary, actually. <laughs> um, I think I'd stop breathing. Um, and then the other thing that I'm physically reading, I'm sort of. I wouldn't say taking a break from it, but I haven't like picked it up in a few days. Um, 
It's a book called um, The Private Joys of Nena Maloney by Okechukwu Inzalu. <laughs> I got it. So, you don't know how much it drives me nuts when I'm watching, you know, because I research writers, and panelists will go, Okechukwu, and I'm like, that is not how you, there's a W there, okay? Yeah. It's Okechukwu. Say it right. Can I just say that <laughs> it evoked memories of the Wakanda Forever when you have a... Uh, Jabari Mbaku say, <laughs> Exactly. It just, it's, oh. The way it, he, he gets an Oscar for just saying <laughs> just, the name. Yeah, he does. Um, but no, it's a great book. It's a story of a mom and a, a single mom and her teenage daughter who the teenage daughter has just received news that um, she is being recommended by her teacher to go to this really cool school in France to learn how to speak French from the French. Mm-hmm. And the mom, white mom, uh, black biracial daughter, the mom freaks out for no godly reason. And so you spend the book sort of, it has a really kind of interesting structure where you have the present day with the mom um, and the daughter and then one of the mom's friends who was actually one of the dad's friends. Um, who's gay and black mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what that all means in 2009 Britain. Um, and then you go back in the past and there are scenes between the mom and her, you know, and the dad. And so that sort of clues you in on like what their relationship was like and what was going on and whatever. So it's a, it's a really interesting book. It's very funny, um, very light. Um, so those are the things I'm reading. Woo! Yeah, yeah, lots going on. Grant, what are you reading? Well, speaking of 9-11... Oh, yeah, I did mention that. There's a connection. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I did, so. I did mention it. <laughs> um, I'm reading Shadow Bond by Steve Erickson. Um, oh. You know, it's, it's just a classic tale. I think it's a story we've all heard. You know, the, the, the two towers of the uh, World Trade Center, they reappear in the desert in the near future. Um, because of course they of do. course you know people take note, <laughs> people take note of that and then you know within the towers themselves is the stillborn brother Jesse of Elvis Presley um, what's this book called Shadow Bond you know what? like Autobahn but it's Shadow Bond wrong with okay carry on but yeah no that, that that's the uh, that's the basic premise um it's in a near future where there's been kind of another civil war and there's like certain no go zones. Uh-huh. Um, where you know, you know, you just don't go if you're if you know. Anyways, um, yeah. so it, it's it's interesting. Um, there's music is a big part of it. Each oh. chapter is separated is separated and named as if it's a you know it's another song and a thing. I have a whole conspiracy theory about it that I told Andy. Yeah, which I can get to. <laughs> I can get into if you want me to, but I don't have to. Um, and uh, okay. which is fitting for a book about. I mean, I kind of want to know the now. Twin Towers, but um. Oh right! I'm having a conspiracy theory about, of course. Yeah. Yes. I I am enjoying it. Yeah. I I th- I feel like I would like the prose to either be more flowery or mm. more spare, more sparse or spare. Like one or the other. Yeah. Like a, a, as it is now, like everything's really interesting, mm. and he, there are cool turns of phrase and stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like it could do some. Like the writing itself could stand out. It's a little stale. Yeah, that's yeah. just maybe I just haven't gro- gotten into the groove of the, you know, the writer. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some writers could be awkward. 
because the idea is great and that's what they write mm-hmm. about, you know. Yeah, I mean, and we'll see. I'm not super far into it. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so yeah. okay. And there's a lot of different characters to follow, which is okay. Oh, oh, nice. Okay, so um, that could also explain the yeah. flatness of the prose. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm not reading it now, but I did read uh, Steppenwolf by Herman Hess. Yeah, how is, was that? I really liked Ooh. it. Speaking of public domain. Yeah. Wait, is that in the public Yeah, that is public domain now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, um, okay. especially for something from like the 1920s. It, yeah. It feels very modern. Ooh, um, okay. Well, you know those Germans. Yeah, those Germans. <laughs> <laughs> Their literature's great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just like one guy's kind of psychic journey through you know his life and that the seems to be a very time. big theme with all of his books by it does, way. Yes. but it, it's done in mm. an interesting way like mm-hmm. there's there's certain sections that feel more dreamlike than others and then it ends yeah. up in a really interesting place he meets some historical figures in these sections and stuff that those yeah. interactions are pretty interesting okay it kind of oh. alternates between extremely between being extremely depressing and like there's some hope for you know finding meaning and whatnot mm. uh, yeah and outside of that I just I've slowly been building a library of philosophy books and I've been jumping around a lot oh that's fun <laughs> um, I just read through a lot of William James's stuff oh pragmatism okay. sure. and stuff yeah and I find the pragmatic idea of truth really interesting like it's not a set thing but it's mm. it's what um you know is useful yeah <laughs> basically it's yeah not, right. it's not quite to like pure relativism but mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah i kind of want to go back in time and stab him in the throat for inspiring ursula Le Guin to write that story that i hate which one is which, that yeah. ugh, the ones who walk away from omelas Everyone reads oh. that story. Everyone loves that story. They're like, it's so deep. I'm like, it is not. It's not even a story. It's her literally giving you a bunch of flowery language and asking you a really surface stupid question, which is, do people have to suffer in order for us all to be happy? Well, of course they do. <laughs> Welcome to planet Earth. That's not deep. <laughs> I only know that story from the BTS song Spring Day because it's used as a reference. That's funny. And that's the only reason that I know what it is. And a lot of people act... Like, a lot of K-pop stands only know that story because of that music video. And if I didn't know the music video storyline, I wouldn't know that it existed. Like, I love Ursula, but come on. Was, like she, was she actually influenced by William Yeah, James? so the story came from that, from a question that William James okay. proposed, which was basically, if there was one human being, and he was sort of using Christ as an example of this, but like, if there was one human being upon whom we hung all of our suffering, mm-hmm. let's say that human being was a child, would we? If we knew about it, like actually saw it, would we be able to accept it? Mm. If our lives were perfect, except for that one thing, and that was the only thing that we I had, have so many answers to that question we, that I know, literally cannot and give And so on. she basically, I mean, that's what she writes the story. You end up finding, this is not a spoiler, people. Come on, it's been out forever. But basically, you, you, you know, she tells she out, lays out this utopia, and then deep, hidden somewhere in a corner that nobody looks Behind a really like behind a really tiny door in a super dark hall is a child full of suffering, just completely suffering. And you just think, yeah, welcome to sweatshops. Like I mean, I don't, it's terrible. I I don't mean to sound blasé about it, but it's like this is the whole world has run on slavery for how many hundreds of years? 
Did you really need to ask that question? Mm-hmm. Did you need to waste my time? Just with listen this? to that uh, yeah. Bo Burnham song. You're right. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, like, what? it's psycho. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it wastes less time. It's far more interesting. It, 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 I'm sorry. I, I'm Aaron. No. What are you reading? <laughs> Really quick, I did want to make a plug for Herman Hess um, because you referenced Siddhartha. Yeah, that's, 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 that's probably that's why. A good one. That's probably that is a why good one. I actually read that oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was pretty interesting. That was a good one. It's on my Damien's also a pretty good one, too. Damien? Okay. But I only know that one also because of BTS music. <laughs> <laughs> do, do they have a thing for Herman Hess? Or no, they what? just have a thing for like. Philosophy, connect- maybe. No, they, <laughs> yes, they do actually. Interesting. Once, yeah. they, they're part of a UNICEF thing. It, oh, one more thing. Philosophy. Michael Schur, the. Writer of The Good Place, writer producer oh, of The Good sure. Place, yeah, yeah. because he had to study intensely so much philosophy in order to write a smart philosophical show such as The Good Place. He decided to put together a book. I mean, he he cites, he references, he talks about all the established philosophers throughout the ages. Um, but it, it's a fun book, and I fully recommend it as an audiobook because it's narrated him, a couple of the his colleagues that he worked with to study. And the full cast of, of the main oh, the cast show, of right, The Good yeah. Place. Yeah. So oh, yeah, you're really gonna love Merle then because, it's they're all philosophy students and the, no, yeah, I'm in that mode right now. So. Yeah, they're gonna. It's, it, you'll get a lot of information because literally a, yeah. every episode is, a teacher usually the same one presenting because she's the ethics professor so mm-hmm. she presents an ethical dilemma and throughout the rest of the episode they're sort of all explicating this dilemma and it's fascinating. Do you want to tell the audience about the opening shot? I Maybe can I only say that it has to do with peaches. Just, oh, just, just carry on. You know, well, hold on, let's yeah, get the scrumptious peaches. <laughs> Here's the conch, Aaron. There's also water involved. I got the conch. What are you reading? I See? feel like that's a whole Lord of the Flies reference right there, by it the way. So thank you. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Um, that was a SpongeBob reference. No, <laughs> but it could well, be. That's but where SpongeBob I, took I, it yeah. from. Yes, yeah. proxy. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, three things. Um, I'm playing Genshin Impact. I decided to take that plunge. Um, oh. And it actually does have a storyline because like, I just keep seeing advertisements for it and I just keep going, what is this about? There is a storyline, by the way, which is very interesting. You and your brother are... You and your brother or you and your sister. It depends on who you decide to choose as the main character, which I regret life because I chose the girl character and but, now I'm having gender envy and I want to go for the oh, male yeah, character. Oh, yeah, this is the one you were telling me yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you are separated from your sibling and you're on a mission to find them. Um, plot twist, good luck. Um, well, you know, it wouldn't be much <laughs> of a game if it no, was uh, easy to find them. But it's right. fantastic. I actually really enjoy it. Oh, good. Um, I'm watching Bungo Stray Dogs right now, which is an anime. Which oh, nobody told me about this until I literally just looked up how to pronounce one of the characters' names. But all of the characters are named after Japanese writers. <laughs> All of the main characters are all Japanese oh, that's writers. that's cool. Um, which I thought was really cool, but there's the main character, Atsushi. He um, is an orphan, and he is on the run from his orphanage after he's turned 18. Mm. And he's on the run from a tiger, which has been ransacking everything, and he thinks that the tiger is after him. Because everywhere he goes, this tiger is attacking things in the middle of the night, and he just doesn't understand why. And so it's like he's... life of pie, but violent. 
Um, plot twist, he's the tiger, and he turns into a tiger underneath the full moon, and he doesn't realize it. Why did I not see that coming? So that's literally, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's literally the werewolf tiger. plot. Um, Duh, I did not see that. He saves the guy from drowning who actually wanted to drown, but that's a whole other thing. It that's is. Awesome. It's Life of Pi, but violent. You know, how, how rude. Why didn't we just let him drown? And so <laughs> as they're, he's part of a detective agency with his friend, and um, they're actually looking for the tiger right now to stop him from ransacking everywhere. And mm. that leads to Atsushi joining into the detective agency. Mm. And this is about, he has this huge, like, seven or eight billion dollar, like, bounty over top of his head. Mm-hmm. And so now he's trying to learn how to control his weird tiger abilities while also trying to oh. help solve crimes. Um, and there's a mafia Plus. involved who is very much like a team rocket, and it's fantastic. Mm. We stand. I'm what? only one season in. There's four seasons because season four just dropped yesterday, so wow. that's very fun. Nice. Okay. Um, and then book wise, I'm reading Solo Leveling, which is actually a webtoon, and I didn't realize it until I opened up the back of the book and looked at the at the Verso page. So congratulations, me. <laughs> um, and it's about a kid whose name I think his name is Jinwoo. I just keep calling him Sung because that's his last name. It's Jinwoo. And he is a hunter. And hunters basically go into dungeons that are in real life. Mm-hmm. And they go and they um, complete the dungeon and they get rewards. So it's basically like dungeon crawling, obviously. Right, right. And they go into a dungeon and they complete it. And then they realize that there's a second dungeon inside, which is very rare. So they're like, okay, let's just go do it anyways. Plot twist, bad idea. And now he all of a sudden gets like gamer powers where he has like this like screen that pops up to him and goes you have to complete these daily tasks and he's like well what happens if i don't complete these daily tasks i'm in the hospital and it literally knocks him out and forces him to go in the desert and be on the run from like desert sand worms and monsters for like four hours straight while he's injured at the same time and it's hilarious (laughs) and that's only book one i order i'm ordering the next two tomorrow Nice. nice That's what I'm doing. Nice. I like it. But anyways, speaking of uh, public 9/11. domain. <laughs> 9-11. Oh, God, again. I know, again. <laughs> we each other. What is, the, what is that uh, family guy reference? Following each other. Wait, I don't That's know. Where, where she's like <laughs> speaking in front of, uh, she's trying to get elected, and she just says 9-11. 9-11. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish that weren't here. So. Uh, I really don't. <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> so was anyone going to tell me that putting on the Ritz, the words and music composition for the song are in public domain now? Or was I just supposed to find that out from a Book Riot article about public domain? I, I think I think your question answers itself because that's where yeah. you got it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this. Maybe we should change the theme song to Putting on the Ritz. I mean, if you can find a recording of it because sound recordings aren't in public domain yet like the sound original sound recording is not but the music and the composition are mm-hmm. uh, so that means anybody can take that music now and they can record it record for themselves it without yeah. well it's like oh, the we could. it's we like could the theme that uh, maple leaf rag kevin mcleod was the um, composer arranger and um, musician who put it online for us to use and even though he wasn't the composer of his piece oh yeah, yeah the yeah. arranger sorry thank you yeah. <laughs> no he there's quite a few people online that will do that. Stuff comes out and they'll, in waves, they'll perform it and then record it and okay. make it available so for people to use. Just... How is it that they're able to do that? What is the operating principle that makes such a thing possible? Copyright. Well, 
for, for before we can fully explain public domain, yes. we have to understand copyright. Okay. Um, copyright. The bane of everyone's existence. What is Every, it without becoming a copyright law professor? But yeah, do not turn to us for legal advice if you're seeking seeking out any kind of copyright, intellectual property, anything official. We are not your go-to people. Although I did hear from a judge once that step one, mail it to yourself because that immediately copyrights the material if it's intellectual property. It doesn't keep the copyright if some like for too long, but yeah. you, you will have to go. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This anyway. will be fun to learn about so. in my actual intellectual property class this semester that I'm taking. <laughs> yes. Okay. But anyway, what is copyright? About Andy? just about every original creative piece of work is subject to into like intellectual property. It's a type of intellectual property that is subject to copyright law. Yes. Um, and that's the, it recognizes a creator's right to dictate the course of expression their work can take. So, and just for time frame, which we'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about, because I learned something new via backroom conversations. Oh, yeah. um, the general idea is that when, say, I write a book today, I publish it, I mail it to myself, and I register my novel, it's under copyright protection for the life of me, plus 70 years. Well, if you were in the UK. Right. <laughs> However, I just learned today that um, in America, it's life of the creator plus 95 years. Thank you, House of the Mouse. Um, I was just going to say, and why is it that long? Literally Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, because the rights for Mickey Mouse were going up in, I believe it was the 80s, although it might have happened also again in the, in the 90s, because it happened twice. Right. And they, now you can do this. Anyone can do this. Anyone can contest copyright law. Yeah. So they did. And what it takes to contest copyright law is you have to make a bid to Congress. And Congress, only Congress, can make an exception. Congress voted to make an exception not once but twice, which is why it all got pushed back 90 to 95 years. It's almost like being a massive, powerful corporation helps you in that I mean, I think it is, I think ire over this kind of makes me laugh because I'm like, listen, people, they had the money, they had the, the acclaim, they had a reason. When your founder grew up the way that their founder did and made something of his life with that particular figure, now yeah. if it was, you know, Beauty and the Beast or some other character that they didn't even come up with, you know, came from folklore, that's a different story. But he not only made that character of himself, but made something of that character and made history by making the longest animated short in the history of animation at that time, which is why we even know who the guy is. They very they took advantage of all of that and went to court. Congress was the one who said yes. Right. Did it help that it was Walt Disney? Of course it did. But I feel like giving them ire over this particular thing yeah. is kind of like, eh. I'll give them ire there's, over anything. Yeah, there's, there's, much, there's much more than we could be mad about. I still have my Disney Plus subscription, though, so I'm not that mad. <laughs> I, I can't cite the documentaries I've watched on copyright um, in intellectual properties like over the years, but they copyright law was originally drafted and created to protect the creator. Now, yeah, sure, yeah, of course. And their work, which it makes sense. Yeah. But there right. are there are entities out there who like if take it to this like nth degree of like enforcing copyright law. Like listen to that note in that song. It sounds like 
like so similar to what this artist over here has created mm -hmm. that in some shape or form it stifles creativity just a little bit like there's some things out there that clearly do not like if you and I were to watch it we're like no or listen to it or read it like no that's totally not inspiration from what this but it it, Sidebar. it clogs up so many court proceedings sure and which and I get the I get the idea behind it but I feel like there have been and this documentary expresses a little bit more. I need to find it and like send yeah, it to you guys. That's interesting. Um, I have to reach out to a professor who made us watch it a number of years ago. Yeah. Just like, hey, point me in the direction. But it's so wonderful. And I see someone raising their hand. Yeah. Hi. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I yeah. I, I randomly googled things because you mentioned it was the yeah. Mickey Mouse that did the thing. Yeah. Uh, it happened in 1998. It was 98. Okay. It was 98, yeah. and it's yeah. called the Mickey Mouse Protection Act or the Copyright Term Extension Act That's or the right. Sonny Bono Act. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It and is, yes. the term is <laughs> so uh, it extends the terms of life of the author plus seven, seven from that plus seven years, which was the original. Yes. And for works of corporate authorship to 120 years after creation or 95 years after publication, whichever end is earlier. Mm, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, see, copyright law is... is copyright just, law is weird, and I only know about ridiculous. it because Oscar Wilde exists, and that's all I know. Yep. Oscar Wilde, yeah, that was a... Oh, that God. was a fun one. That was a fabulous thing. So, side... Uh, yeah. Not sidebar, but... Well, kind of a sidebar. You were talking about... Oh, yeah. So, sidebar. I love... <laughs> That blur that um, Pharrell and what's his name got sued for blurred lines. I loved that yeah. because that song is disgusting. Um, so thankfully, that was one case of copyright law in which, you know, they had to pay up some money. It was great. Um, however, question: mm -hmm. um, To what degree do you think public domain? Freeze creativity. That's actually not one to which I can easily answer a question. Maybe others can. You mean like opens it up? Yes. Like what? Well, why? It, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the principle. I just, I'm curious. It, it's kind of a Depends. discussion we started having back there a little bit. Like you can, you can use the Steamboat Willie eventually. What was it? One is a year or two? You can use Steamboat Willie now. Okay, we Mickey Mouse you will be able to use next year. But, like, but the, only the original yeah. Mickey Mouse. first Mickey yeah. Mouse, not Steamboat, but the one after Steamboat. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it really enhances creativity per se. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say it, um, it increases what creativity we can see. Yeah, because if, 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 if you, you can if, write whatever yeah. you want at home. If you, if you really think about it, though, like especially like with like, so like with putting on the Ritz, the composition being out with uh, Agatha Christie's full one of her books being put on. Yeah, it's the fifth. Domain. It's the fifth one. Yeah. the Poirot. And with yeah. the case of Sherlock Holmes stuff coming that's now in public domain, which means mm -hmm. mo a majority of his stuff is in public domain in the United States yeah, now. Yeah, majority of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. This is where we see a lot of like, this is I think. In my opinion, kind of where fan fiction really comes into play now, because a lot of like people who like write it like really can't do anything with that. But now mm -hmm. that those items are in public domain, anybody who has written like fan fiction works about those certain Agatha Christie novels or those Sherlock Holmes novels, because mm -hmm. I know there's probably plenty out there. Oh, sure. You can see a lot of those more come into play in like the public sphere now with being published and people being able to take those characters and. 
do things with them that they might not have been able to do before or mm. use stories that they may, might not have been able to use before as reference or inspiration without legally having to like attribute that author every single time monetarily you know what i'm saying sure. and like now with like the putting on the wrist like the composition and the music actually being in public domain now along with another list of like there's a whole slew of swing songs which are now like yeah. in public domain now as well yeah. like they can use that now in more sample terms for music and we can see we'll probably see a lot of that come into play with a lot more music that's going to come out either by like amateur third party like creators or mm -hmm. people who are like starting to sample those works and we might see more sampling of them yeah. in the future in like popular songs we just don't know but like that's kind of a way that it frees like the creativity kind mm -hmm. of that's just my personal opinion yeah i don't know i'm a, i think i'm of like i'm divided like on... i can understand like why it might not free things but i can understand also from yeah, I think From I'm, somebody who's chronically online and in the fanfiction spheres, I can see where yeah. it clears up some legalities because sure. they don't now they now don't have to attribute under the copyright law under every single disclaimer of whatever chapter they're writing saying, "Hey, I don't own this." They can go, "This is under public domain now. I can write about it and not feel any type of fear that I'm going to be." I mean, it's something that's that that I mean, you see all the time with um, let's take Shakespeare for an example, who's see, yeah. you know everything's he's been in the public domain forever, um, <laughs> and it is fascinating when someone brilliant takes a piece of Shakespeare and turns it into something, something brilliant. I mean it, that. I mean King Lear. Good God, the number of people who've modern novelists who've taken King Lear and just you know gone to town and been like Shakespeare was a man. And right from the perspective of the women, because they themselves are women who love Shakespeare, and they're just like, wait a minute, but these girls are way more interesting, yeah. and you know, the, and and also that's a, that's a formal shift because mm -hmm. you know when Shakespeare was writing, the play was the thing, mm -hmm. um, and that's why he used it. Novels were not in fashion. Now that we're living in a time where novels are the fashion of literature, um, it, it you you're able to do different things because the restraints of the play um, are freed by, you know, the restraints of the novel, whatever And you those see are. that now, too, with, like, so. Great Gatsby was in public domain last year. And yeah. I realized that, like, nobody yeah. really cares for it, but, like, it opened up a whole slew of... Sorry. What are we seeing? There's been seen so that much. much. Oh, there's been a... There was a whole yeah, wave. No, there is, there's a wave. There was a whole wave, yeah. And like, I knew something was coming like, out by the time, I, but, like, I, I don't that, know what like, else. Oh, yeah, there was a whole Nick wave. came out, which was, like... From, Nick like, was the, yeah. that was the big one, and it was, like, from the perspective of Nick from The Great Gatsby instead of... <laughs> Despite the fact that the book is literally from his but perspective. But it's, like, you get the idea. It's, it's I think, I in that case... I also don't read The Great Gatsby all the But time, in that so. case, I feel like it's less creative. You're mm -hmm. taking a, you're taking a character that was invented for a novel and writing... A novel. A novel... It's like That's not creating headcanon like, to... Right, but if you say, if you take Moby Dick mm -hmm. and you turn it into a five-hour play, I, I, I'm leaning back in my chair a little bit. I'm like, okay, go ahead. And, like, and you think about it in a college production, right? Mm -hmm. You're a college student, you're a Lin-Manuel Miranda, but you're never going to become a Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, whatever. You know, and you write this <laughs> play, this five-hour play, and you're, you convince one of your professors to stage it, and you're, 
your school is now able to stage and sell tickets of this thing that you have spent effort and creativity transforming. That's where I feel like the public domain really creates a new energy. But like taking a novel character and writing a novel, I'm like, well, what are you? They're writing fan fiction. Or like someone, I mean, they're writing on. fan fiction. But yeah, publishing I mean, it. honestly, listen. If you think that you're gonna like Granted, be a little that's playwright, a lot of books right now. if you're gonna be a little playwright and write a play, and you're gonna base your play off of a Shakespeare play, there is. I mean, you can do interesting things, but be, but, but you gotta be. I mean, you know. Toni Morrison Fair. writing Desdemona. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Oh, yeah, like, it a jumping off yes. point or a skeleton or something. Yeah, I mean, do something brave. Like, with her, like, just as use this as an example, she was asked to do something with Othello, and she said, I'll, I'll do it on one exception. I'm taking Iago out. And they were like, wait, you can't do that. He's literally the whole play. She's like... I can do what I want. She's like, first of all, he shouldn't be the whole play. It's called Othello. But everybody wants to spend time with Iago. Get rid of him. What else is left? And that, that's, that's an interesting thing. And I think that the public domain allows us to do those things, to even have the thought exercise. Um, I am just a little concerned that in a market that is already overstuffed with stupid original ideas, that you give people freedom. I mean, think about this. Yeah. Exercise this with me now for a moment. It's not yeah. going to happen for until we're all dead. Yeah. But imagine the day... That Star Wars becomes public domain. Oh, I was thinking Harry Potter becomes public domain because that's going to be I mean, oh We already well, have a whole fan in for Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine that day. Like, that is going to be a... I can't... I, I'm, I will be gratefully dead. I'm glad. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh-uh. I can't do it. You just like, made me almost eager for my eventual demise. <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, it's just, I can't... I can't... I mean, it's that, it's that kind of thing that I'm just like... I... I I don't want to be here for that. However, I'm gonna be haunting from my grave just to watch it happen. I will probably send this guys to you in the or this guys to you, this to you guys in the meeps or right, chat right. because there's a wonderful um, lecture that is actually an opening address, but um, to by China Nieville at the I think it's it's in Edinburgh. I can't remember the name of the right. festival, and it's back in 2014, and he gives this entire, I mean, this glorious speech in which he says, you know, he sort of takes down the idea of copyright because he's trying to help generate an idea of who deserves to get paid for what and why does that payment have to look the way that it looks. And he basically says the reason that publishers are able to be in publishing and make publishing work the way that they want it to is because of the copyright rule only one person can get paid at a time for an original work. What if you just squashed all of that and you just had writers for hire, the kind of, in the way that we are, library people for hire, you get a check for doing the work, you clock in for eight hours, all of that kind of stuff. What if that was how we did things so that if Andy publishes a, an incredible book, suddenly you have remixes of the book because there are other people who go, oh, I can do better than that. And they write, yeah. you know, uh, it, but smaller. <laughs> you know, just to see what it would look like. This or, is the book if this person starts talking. It, right, or like, this is the person if you gave, imagine, the book you know, if you gave him a gun. Imagine someone, I mean, Stephen King can't do stream of consciousness. We know this, right? But what if a genius of stream of consciousness takes the exact same idea and makes a stream of consciousness version of Pet Cemetery, Like... It, it deprioritizes the creative as this genius 
as this novelty, as this like yeah. wonderful, special, you know, it makes us less hierarchical because listen, I'm not all that great just because I'm creative and good at it. Like, so, <laughs> you know, I, I know it sounds a little ridiculous, but it's kind of like, but think about it, really. If Emeril Lagasse like makes a fantastic uh, Alfredo, what does that mean? Gordon Ramsay can't make the same Alfredo? Like, <laughs> maybe he can't sell it without calling it Emeril's. But even that is kind of ridiculous. Like, so what? It's food. Everyone should eat it. I don't know. Anyway, there's my. That's a whole nother discussion. Like that that example, like it's it, it's fun. Food in the public domain. Who would have imagined it? <laughs> like I'm gonna make a cheddar bay biscuit, but I'm not gonna call it the cheddar bay biscuit. I'm gonna call it the I don't know the cheesy bun. Cheesy golf biscuit. <laughs> but no, imagine. But but imagine if you had to do more than that. Imagine yeah. if you came up with something that 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 enhanced the flavor of it. But in order to even sell it, you had to go through an intensive legal process to prove that it wasn't an idea you stole from Red Lobster. Well, like like what? That's an idea <laughs> I was talking about early in the early in the podcast. Where I mean, it was meant to protect one thing, but like some organizations, some, and I, I bet it's more like the. What is it? The the estates and the companies after the fact. Like the it is original creators probably didn't give too well. And not as many. It's because not as Molly many. Sue wants mommy's money. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's the same little thing. Like yeah. you can have. There's. I mean, but I think creatives can can be. I mean, creatives are usually very touchy about these kinds of things. Particularly, yeah. I've noticed that with UK creatives in particular. Um, Agatha Christie killed Poirot because she loathed the fact that... So, um, there's a dividing line with Sherlock Holmes content. Yes. There's the before he died and there's after he died. Yes. Almost every person that I know who has read Sherlock Holmes extensively hates the after he died because you can feel the difference. And Agatha Christie was a main champion of that. She was like... She hated the after the Sherlock Holmes stuff because the only reason he brought him back is because he couldn't make money writing anything else. He tried, and so he was like, well, I guess I can figure out a brilliant way to bring Holmes back, because I'm starving. <laughs> there's, there's, there's quite a bit of, like, there's stuff out there, like, um, I like the original trilogy, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, um, mm-hmm. Kick the Hornet's Nest, Played with Fire. Mm-hmm. I like them, and I did read the next few, and they gave me that fix. Mm-hmm. But I don't care for them as much as the original. Or Robert Ludlum is another example. I love the Jason Bourne trilogy, the an opening trilogy. Um, but there are two different people who have picked like the band for that Jason one. Logan Lagerkrans, Lagerkrans, yeah, and Lustbader. Oh yeah, and also. Oh really? Did he? Wait, he might have been doing the. I'm oh, he's doing Bourne. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they have. Um, no, Lustbader I think does the Steve Larson. No, Lou Spotter does Born. Born wait, and then Lock and Cross does. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since I've read either. Yeah. Just because I haven't liked them as much. <laughs> but um, yeah. But on the yeah. flip side, there are some properties that make themselves open to this kind of thing. I don't think there's going to be any problem when the original Batman issues go up for... Um, and I will be alive for that. And I will be writing. Um, because, of course. Because it's... I mean, that the, com- the comics arena that's what it's there for yeah. one of the big dangers of the current you know the MCU and its ilk is that these massive corporations DC Warner Brothers all these they have such a tight control over creative properties 
that were always loosey-goosey and flexible. If you could come up with a good enough reason to kill Batman and resurrect him in your in your arc, then they'd let you do it, you know? Because they were interested in you as the writer. You know, they were like, okay, what can Jeff Johns bring to Batman that, you know, that Frank Miller couldn't? Not much, but still. Yeah. Uh, you know, what... what did the you whole... see the smirk open up with that? Yes, I'm I like, did, oh, God, yes. Uh, the New 52, for oh, example, you know, they wanted to see, well, what can we do with the New 52? And the, you see the writers of... Um, I'm watching Young Justice right now, so this is all in my brain. You see what the Young Justice is doing, where they literally are taking every Justice League character and yoinking them into this massive universe and making a four-season arc yeah. that once you've seen all four seasons and then you go back and start at the beginning, you're like, they put that stupid school bus in there in episode two? What, like, the incredible mechanics of good writers doing top quality work because they're able to because the company is allowing them to is like that's an exciting avenue but are we losing that by having multi-billion dollar corporations have control of a more flexible creative property yeah do you wonder if the whole multiverse thing that both groups have in their in their whole entire universes Mm -hmm. make it easier for that to occur but it was happening pre-multiverse. Yeah. I but mean, it was, it you know was what a, I mean? It was a state, and I think the multiverse even happened be, as it did because, because that, you, it had that flexibility. It. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like, I hope we don't lose that because it it's going to be fun to see the first Supermans come out that didn't have to ask for permission from DC Comics. Like, what are they going to do with it? I don't know. I kind of want to see like David There's Mitchell. There's a lot of good stuff over the years that have come out, which it, it burns me a little bit. Separate argument a little bit. Um, 2033. So we that, have 10 years until uh, Superman depicted depicted well, I'll be in, in my prime. I'll be 44. All right, I'm ready. Action yeah, Comics number go. one will become public domain in 2033. I need to read that one. Get me some ideas. Along with other story elements such as Lois Lane and the city of Metropolis. This is 2033, so in 10 years. Everyone set your calendars, set your alarm clocks. (laughs) It's going to go public domain and we're going to see Tony write something. But I wonder if the fandoms will be allowing of a non-Donner-esque Superman. Like, I mean, that's like... If it's published, they, they they might take it down. I mean, they might hate it. Yeah. But... I mean, hey, you're burning my Superman novel in the street. By the way, Batman. <laughs> thank is you. You still had to buy it, to right? Burn it. Tony. Thank you. By the way, Batman is twenty thirty four. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm pretty sure Bad Detective Comics number one was not that great, but <laughs> I don't know. It could be. Kind of jumping. Were you gonna say something? Yeah. Oh. No, I was just gonna say with this uh, topic in general, mm-hmm. I have the same problem I had with everything, where I see it from every every possible perspective. <laughs> same. Where. <laughs> Like, in, in the past, I used to be much more, you know, just go with it, like, like mm-hmm. you know, get rid of all copyright, everything. No, just a free market of ideas, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leaning in that direction, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> at the same time, I feel like, like small creators really do need some form of protection. Like, you see it all the time, like, so-and-so stole my screenplay, so-and-so, you know, and, like, if we just... Because there is the temptation to just let somebody do that, but better. Um, Don't you think, though, if you voided copyright for everyone, that voids the capitalist drive of creativity? Which means that, you know, (laughs) if if me and Christopher Nolan come up with the same idea, or not even a Christopher Nolan, let's say someone who is 
we have the same or similar level of clout and we both come up with the same idea and somebody likes one person's idea better or a group likes that idea better, then, you know, do they make more money? There's no copyright to guarantee it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is a whole... Because, you know what I mean? If you give a they, they, they still you know? have the, the massive resources to advertise it and, you know, do all this stuff. There's a whole lot of economical discussion that probably I was we should say, not yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can't just void copyright law and not replace it with something. Do you know what I mean? You have to because it already dictates so much of... It only exists because there is a capitalist structure for it to exist within. You've, you know, you void one of those components, it's going to change so many yeah. different... You know what I mean? I don't know. Guys, let's start a commune. Let's do it. Okay. And only read each other's work? Is only read each other's work. Oh, God! Um, you don't want to read my stuff. No, are we gonna, thanks. Are we going to call it um, Manson LTD? Sure. <laughs> That's going to be the episode that we all who's, write who's, little travels. Who's going to grow, grow the food? I don't know how to do that. Stuff. Oh, we can call it Manson Studios. <laughs> you! What you mean? Who? I want to grow it. I just want to cook it and eat it. Oh, yeah. You do have to cook it. <laughs> I mean, I've got the ancestral background, and all I gotta do is, you know, grab a hoe and summon them. You know, it's fine. It'll work. I was gonna say my only farming. You, you see these like spectral forms rise up out of the fields. Everybody struggling with white guilt listening to this just shrieked. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand what you mean, Tony. Can you explain that further? Um, um, I feel like it's on you to explain to us. What... Maybe I'll just ask. This Hold on, let me let me like shine my whiteness a little bit. Oh my Maybe God. I'll just Polish ask it. the jar question and save yeah, let's everybody. Go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wait, as, but we have a few minutes left. Just okay, and then we'll go into that. What? Did anyone have favorites? Like oh. things that really quick. I want to plug Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh God, why are you plugging that track? Just because <laughs> I. I the fact that it exists, I love, but I don't think it looks good. Right. If it was good, I'd be okay with it. I, but okay. has anything come like Last benefited year, from entering public domain that you've really appreciated? Yes, but nobody will know it for a few years because I haven't written it yet. No. Last year. No, no, no. Seriously. Last year, the day that Winnie the Pooh went up, because Twitter was losing their minds, I had the most incredible brainwave. And I thought, if I can make that work, this could be as big. Alright, I'll do it. But I have to wait until next year because that's when I get to use Tigger. So Yeah, I forgot about um, that. I don't need Tigger to make it work, but it's nice to have It'd the be room to nice use to have Tigger. Tigger so that I can just use the whole group and it, I'm telling you, y'all ain't ready. I'm not even ready. Like I'm I mean, ready. it's there. I'm I've ready. already started working on I'm it, but ready. I'm just like ready. Is it poo and the gang go to World War One? Oh, no, no, God, no. No! And why is this I like those three Stooges movies of like the 50s? I will say that I... You mean Hercules? I will say that I am... I will... I am aggressively making trans children happy and aggressively making anti-trans people not happy at all. I by love that By messing with a fundamental you. book of children's right. literature. And I will be aiming it at the UK because they have a real trans problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, tough I'll, luck. I'll give you one idea. Don't just keep... You know, keep it or throw it away. Um, <laughs> sure. Winnie the Pooh... In the trenches, the mustard gas is coming, and somebody says the mustard gas is coming, and he says, "Mustard, like honey mustard." <laughs> <laughs> then it just ends very sad. Oh God, that's as genius. he's climbing the ladder. <laughs> I have to get to the honey. That's 
And is it, is this where he sheds all of his outfit and runs like <laughs> naked bear? Yeah. Well, no. he, he's already naked because we can't know. we can't use clothes to Winnie the Pooh for another like fifteen years. Are you he's like, <laughs> yeah, because because the red shirt is um, Disney. Yeah, so you know, and not even there. I don't. See, you know, it's not their first Winnie the Pooh either. It's a few. It's a, it's a TV show. Because they couldn't have a naked bear in there. They had him in the original Winnie the Pooh movie, um, the animated movie. They had he was just like he was. Wait, no, no, he wasn't. Anyway, probably because they're gonna have a naked bear. So you know, yeah. I think Aaron's broken. <laughs> All right, you got six. Why minutes. did you make me listen to that with my ears? <laughs> what else are you gonna listen to? Um, <laughs> this question from the jar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, would you rather? Oh, thank you, Megan. <laughs> Actually, this one isn't as bad, but I thought it was cute, especially with the topic. So. Okay. Would you rather forget all your favorite series and discover them all over again, mm. or remember all the details of every book you've ever read? I already have the second problem, so um, I, I would go with the first. I would love the first. I, I, I think yeah. the first would be great. If I could discover the Mortal Instruments all over again, as if I'd never read them, I would. I mean, the real question is. Or Harry Potter. I, I, no, I think the real question is. Is if you forgot all of your favorite series and then discovered them all over again, would you still consider them your favorite I'm at gonna, that point? I'm gonna, because you're at a different time I period. already, the, the, Maybe. when that That's question finished, yeah. I wanted to jump in and say, like, if I were to forget a lot of my favorite series, and this we could extend this to books, mm-hmm. TVs, yeah, TV shows, everything. movies, yeah. there's a lot of garbage out there that I love because of nostalgia. Yeah, you know what? Every time that comes up, I mean, I'm just am not that person. I'm nostalgic about real life. I get over being nostalgic about like favorite s- stories pretty quickly because cra- the crafts person in me goes, Darkwing Duck, you're cute for 15 seconds. How did I get through so many episodes? This is terrible. But I, I contend. <laughs> I contend, though. If you Star Wars is an example. I think it's just really good. I think it's solid. Yeah, but, but if you forgot it all. There's a nostalgic we... foundation upon which... Your love of the franchise. Not for me. Rest. I think I think for many people that's true, and I've seen it and I've heard it and I understand that. Not for me. I, it, it's, I a, think it's, it's a hard to really argue topic, but like I would bet, and like Batman is similar thing. I would I would say that it doesn't blow my mind the way I that it did when I first saw it because it can't. But it was, it still holds up. It does everything it's supposed to do. Mm. Whereas Indiana Jones, oddly enough, gets better with time. <laughs> I, I don't know how uh, that happens. I don't but know about that. I, I, certain, like, certain ones do. Yeah, they just do. I'm like, how is Raiders I think the even number. Better? Hope for the fifth. <laughs> hope for the fifth because the even number entries in that franchise, trifling. Um, um, and I even have fondness for the Temple of Doom. I love Crystal Skull. I know but everyone it's, hated it, but I love it. There, there are things to like in that. Yeah, but I, I really don't like, like it. So. I, yeah. I, don't, I really liked it. Um, but, Anyways. you know, <laughs> I thought they were a little clumsy about revealing that that was his son, because we're like, yeah, we know that already. Why are you making this a scene? But aside from that, I like the movie, you know. I have one more, yes. is, and I'm about to, like, murder everyone's brain. You have a crossover between the last show you watched and the last video game you played. What would this monstrosity be called? Girl, that's easy. It's called Young Justice Gotham Knights. (laughs) 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 That just makes the game more fun. Because it's the Superman. Well, would that be Handmaid's Cart? Or Mario... (laughs) Mario's Mario's Handmaid's. Mario's Handmaid's. (laughs) Would it be, it would be like, Mario's one of the commanders in Gilead? Oh, that's dreadful. Princess Peach. Well, would she be a handmaid or would she be the wife of a commander? 
Wait, who? No. Princess Peach. She would not because you have to consider within that realm is Bowser's kids. So like, like Wendy, is she a handmaid or is she a commander's wife? <laughs> so, so my crossover would be, uh, it would be an unholy combination between Bojack Horseman and um, uh, the Elder Scrolls Three Morons. <laughs> so, like, you are the Nereverine, Bojack. You have to come save the save the country. Oh gun. no! Oh, and it's Bojack. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know that just. He takes some convincing, I'm sure. So. How far are you in? Like four episodes. So I, I, I can't speak on it that much. But Bojack taking some convincing. That is the largest understatement that you will make in 2023. Okay. I can promise you that. Aaron. And you will know. Oh, mine was just Bungo straight out think Edge Impact. That okay. just oh, means yeah, my yeah. characters that have superpowers now have to solve crime. Which makes it even more hilarious. That's never been done no, in no, any no, plot no. ever. It, it, it just actually makes it more hilarious because there is a character in there that is considered the dark knight of the town, and he comes out only at night to come. He's basically Batman, but for the town. Do these chest pieces.